Fucking stick it in the microphone, what'd you say? <laughs> we got good stories here. <laughs> I think I did the gypsy. Now, what was that one? Was one solid guy was like Busby's? I did Busby's. I smashed a couple microphones. <laughs> Are we started? Yeah, sure. I'll give you an intro after the story. The Israelis had like done this horrible move where they just started shooting everybody, right? And I got on stage and I start going, who do these Palestinians think they are? They just want to walk around without having to show their papers? You know, what, what do they think? The, the world's free? You know, <laughs> they're going to be sharing drinking fountains with us pretty soon. And then they'll steal our jobs. And like the place was kind of like weird about it. And then they started getting on board. And I just kept going about like, who are these Palestinians? They just want to be able to just walk around, you know, <laughs> like without getting like they're just throwing themselves in front of bullets. And finally, these two Israelis like got offended. And Zach kind of was just like back me up and Peter started playing the piano. We made it a whole thing. <laughs> what an like, interesting crew. But I was like, I was like, <laughs> to get into a fight with. Yeah. I was like, I was upset. I was with Heather Lawless that night. Oh we yeah. 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 Together. And I was just like, how is Heather Lawless? Do you ever hear from her? She's in New York, she isn't in she? Movie, uh, the, the candidate movie with Zach and Will Ferrell. She had a little, little part in that. She in New York now? I, I don't know. I think so. Is yeah, she yeah. still loving the ladies? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, I didn't know she loved the ladies. She never loved the ladies. Oh, maybe that was the whole thing never, with Brody. I think yeah. that kind of made Brody crazy because he was the they, last man. Yeah, they oh, really? And the next thing you know, she, <laughs> and she's such a nice person too. Funny, yeah. Funny one of the man. many people I've met along the way in this crazy journey <laughs> that is my life. And you wonder, like, you, you hear some people. You haven't heard from them in so long. You're like, they're still alive? That's right. awesome. Yeah. What are they doing? Oh, they're at the fucking improv last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their yeah. paths just haven't crossed. It's yeah. so interesting because like sometimes in this business, you get caught up in either you make it or you failed. Right. You know? And then there's just some people who just are doing having a great career. They're not necessarily trying to, you know, get a new show on Comedy Central. Right. or uh, They're just living life you right. know and that's so it's so cool to hear that people are still out there kicking ass and taking names even though you don't necessarily run into them all the time yeah as much as you as bad as you think your career is there's always somebody worse and there's always somebody better and then there's always somebody that you didn't hear of for years and then all of a sudden they're back you know yeah, it's such an interesting thing sometimes you get caught up in this like oh, i'm too old for this and i'm too old for that and then you see someone like Marin or eddie pepitone who yeah. you know i've always had this like kind of you know bubbling career they always just kept kind of going and then they hit at a certain time mm -hmm. it's i just watched i just watched pepitone on one of your clips before you came over you had him on the naughty show yeah yeah that was great uh joining me today what's up thanks for listening everybody uh i am your host murray valeriano by the way i have a zach galifianakis getting my backstory too i'll yeah. have to go into that uh thanks for listening a couple quick announcements before i introduce these guys feel free to chime in if you want uh we had a giveaway last week yeah i do giveaways and uh congratulations to nate granzow uh gets a t-shirt and nate. becky pedigo's book Hey, Becky Pettigo. Yeah, Bam. Last week. She was on my premium blend when I first did it. Oh, yeah? It was Becky and uh, Kyle um, Dunnigan. Oh, that's a good that's show. That's a good one. And, that is a good show. And uh, what's his face? Black dude from uh, uh, New York. Cedric the Entertainer? Yeah. D.L. No. Hughley. No. Um, uh, seat, Charlie Murphy. Uh, uh, what's his Eddie name? Murphy. Kevin Hart? Richard no. Pryor. I think he died. Richard Pryor. Red yeah, Skelton. Richard Pryor. Red, Red Skelton was yeah, Richard Pryor. Well, he sounds <laughs> black. He sounds black. Uh, so congratulations, Nate. You get her book and a t-shirt. And 
Hey, shout out to anybody who's still reading. Shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Shout out. Definitely. And uh, John Eric Hexum. Becky actually left two books. So if you want to hit me up on Facebook, uh, thanks for the great reviews on iTunes. If you want to hit me up on Facebook, uh, Becky Pettico, her book, which is on the floor, I just noticed, is yours. <laughs> and a t-shirt. But if not, hey, John can suck it. And you can put up an interview uh, review on uh, iTunes, and uh, you can win Becky's second book. You just said John can suck it? Uh, if he doesn't call. Oh, if he doesn't call. Yeah, well, yeah. What's her book? What did she leave behind? Uh, hold on, let me get it. It's called Killing Me Softly with Jazz Hands. Wrote it herself. Oh, Short it's her collection book. Of story. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought no. she like, left behind a Stein book you left or something. <laughs> oh. Killing me softly. Catcher in the Rye. Becky Pettigo left behind Catcher in the Rye. We'll be giving that away next week. Hands, I like it. it. might take you a while to finish this book, but it's good. Yeah. <laughs> what does that look like? About 24 yeah. pages? Yeah. yeah. And check, check it out. Each story Do is... our crayons come with that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Each story is... A paragraph long. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's for the YouTube generation. I Wait. think that's cool as shit. Yeah, yeah. Am I allowed to swear in this? Yeah, you can totally swear. Okay. Yeah. So she signed it uh, forever. Who uh, writes? Writes the next uh, review on it. I'm iTunes. kind of a, I'm kind of weirded right now with the whole weird the language because uh, I just put my I moved my podcast from one channel to another. I just moved from Desquad. Oh, you're not on Desquad anymore. So I moved it to All Things Comedy. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm so I've had to set up everything myself. Right. And I was setting up my iTunes, and I couldn't find the explicit explicit button yeah, so yeah. it came up as clean and it took me so much to get there i sent itunes this long thing just basically jumping on the sword begging <laughs> them not to get rid of my feed and somehow helping me to change it because i'm so scared because i don't even know how i got it up there right could could it be that you couldn't find the explicit uh, button because you're wearing sunglasses indoors yes could that be, could that be the, it, <laughs> it is kind of uh it is kind of bright in here uh sam tripoli Yes. Joins us. Thanks so much for coming back. Murray, I've known you for, uh, man, you know, it's so weird when you start thinking of how long you've known somebody. I've known you for about 12 years now. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I knew, I met you and we were both kind of trying to get in the comedy store. And I remember when you got picked up as a door guy and it was a big deal and we'd all go down to the crooked bar. Yeah. You were picked up as a door guy? Yeah. 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 When we were? Yeah. Well, we hadn't been picked just, up yet. I just, I got the door guy. And got passed just as you started showing up, right? Yeah, I think. Was I? I thought we were at the same time. Because we got picked up at the. Ex- you got picked up like two weeks before I got picked up. Oh, okay. I got picked up. I don't up. remember you coming in the door. door. Well, yeah, Murray got door. picked up at the door, and then you kind of just said, "I'm out." And then it was like you kind of went on, and you got into writing, I yeah, think, yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, and then you, I would see you every when you kind of started podcasting before podcasting got big. I feel I did. I did, and then. Um, Went through some personal things and yes. had to take a year off the year podcasting went through the fucking roof. So you took a year off from just podcasting or comedy and everything? Uh, well, first, well, I left. I got kicked out of the store. Uh, by the way, Aaron Cater joins us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go down to this. Anyways, anyways, anyways enough, enough about you. About about you. I was there the whole time. I was with you guys 12 years ago. I was there. <laughs> I got booted out of the comedy store. Uh, Corey. Booted, really? Princess me, Corey? Princess Corey oh, got me yeah. booted out when Freddie was still around. Right. Was it because of Freddie? Was it some Freddie stuff? No. You know what it honestly was? I think I was talking shit about her and she overheard me. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of got a... Gotta fucking swallow that one. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I guess. That's why I did with Chelsea Handler. I did. I I, I own that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Did you talk shit about? Talk shit about her? Her? Oh, yeah, I did jokes about sleeping your way to the top at a showcase for her and her boyfriend who ran the <laughs> ran the uh, network sitting right there. <laughs> you know what bugs me? Everybody talks smack about her. She'd come in. 
and she would just act like a prick like every other fucking time. She was comic, really nice right? to me at first. But she was always cool with me, and everybody's like, she's a bitch. And I'm like, why? Because she comes out here and acts like a dick like you guys, but <laughs> it's not okay when she does she's it. She was really I, cool at first, and then she got a little bit, and then it got weird. And I just, I, it's always weird when somebody hits. And like you had a really good relationship with them, and then they hit, and then it's like you never see him again. It's not there anymore. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's like w- that's so weird. I, uh, I, I've got nothing against Chelsea. She's always been great to me. I used to hang out with her a lot. Yeah. Uh, she fucking worked harder than any of us. How she worked is yeah. Is left up to you guys. Uh, yeah. However you want to decide. Well, that's uh, my opinion of Whitney. That girl works hard than everybody, dude. She's like a machine. Yeah, she does. But uh, yeah. So I remember you being there, and then you kind of went off and did yeah. your own thing, and. Yeah got out of the store and then uh never went back never went back yeah. to the store even when i, I did take stand uh, off stand up for a couple of years when I, I sold a couple shows and i came back i i called tommy at the store and he's like uh yeah why don't you come hang out at the open mic which is the potluck uh for a few weeks oh, you know get up and then i'm like dude i i'm not and i rarely say i'm better than anything and i'm not saying i'm better in it but i'm like tommy i you're beyond that, that yeah. i'm not gonna do that again yeah, i'm just i'm too already been in the belly room for five years yeah like, yeah, yeah but I you did, did it you already did it. You don't need to go back to that. It's just a weird thing that there's that in this town there's just kind of no nobody remembers credibility. You right, know what right, I'm saying? Right. No, I understand. But I remember Sam with a fucking huge head of hair. Yeah, like, when I first yeah, Bon Jovi style curls 10 years after Bon Jovi. Yeah, I look like hilarious. the uh, Jewish Chris Cornell when I first yeah. got out here. This <laughs> so funny. I, I think I must have met you. I, I might have met you with hair, but then once you cut it, yeah. I probably didn't thought it was a different person. It was a different person. It was crazy, man. I cut it and it was like freedom. It's so weird when you have that much hair. Yeah. And then you cut it and it's just a whole different thing. Then I one time I had a mohawk for a little while. I remember that. I remember that. And it was really funny because like certain hairstyles, like women either love it or hate it. But yeah, the ones yeah. who love it, love it, yeah. dude. It's, it's like, like facial hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. dude, like in like '94, man, I shaved my head and I grew a goatee, and totally women different came type. out of the woodwork. I'm yeah. telling you, they looked like. I remember being at uh, uh, what's that deli on Fairfax? The big Cantors. oh, uh, Cantors. Cantors, just being there like two o'clock in the morning, and like three women came, and then they would get to know me and realize I'm a dork, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't fucking ride a hog, and yeah. I, you know I don't have any tattoos. You're not a, you're like, not a Harley oh, Davidson. You're oh, not. Never a, mind. We thought you were somebody else. <laughs> thought you were dangerous and might <laughs> yeah, beat us. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, is this funny? Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long have you been in LA? Uh, I moved out in about '95, oh, right, right out of school. It's yeah. totally changed, hasn't it? It's, it has, well, my actually. perspective on it's changed. I don't know about you guys. I came out in 93. I lived down by USC because my brother was there. And then I moved up to like Silver Lake and Los Fields in that about 94. You've and been I, up there I, ever since, and right? I've been there ever since. And it's totally changed. That neighborhood's like totally changed. It used to be like much more ethnic. Now it's gentrified and yeah. more gay and more friendly for you know young couples with babies and baby strollers everywhere. Where did you go to school? Gays and babies? Gays and babies. Gays and babies, man. They make neighborhood better. <laughs> I went to school in Jersey. I came out from New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you got started in Vegas, didn't you? See? Yeah, that's where I started. It was it was a fun, crazy scene. I had at one point, when I started doing stand-up in Vegas, there was one open mic every other week in the entire city. Jesus. Yeah. That's where it started. So I decided to start making my own scene. So I literally developed my own comedy shows every night of the week. I would go find a bar that had a stage. I go, "Give me your worst night," and they go, this, "We're dead on this night." And I would just start packing the room. Right. And then I got to the point where I had like my own improv troupe in like three different casinos, 
And then I uh, have my own stand-up show at a at a hotel that's no longer there, the Hollywood, uh, the, the the Holiday Inn Boardwalk that used to be on the Las Vegas Strip. I had my own stand-up there, stand-up show every night or uh, every weekend. And then I was opening up at the uh, Riviera. And after that, I'm like, I've done it all I can here. Time yeah. to move on. But now Vegas is like a phenomenal place to do stand-up. It's like there's six clubs. They ask locals to do it. They never did that back when my day. When oh, I really? Was yeah. They would just fly like all the young guys out of L.A. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it was cheap to fly. They right. take nothing to be there. Right. So now, you can't, ne- now you can't get a feature spot there because they hire all the locals. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like at the Riv and the Harrah's and all that? Uh, Riv's, Riv and Improv will still do it, but yeah. like the new clubs, like uh, what is it, LA Comedy Club yeah. and uh, Bonker. I think Bonker shut down, though. I'm not sure. I'm sure. It ha- I mean, it's got to be so hard. Everybody thinks Vegas is like the greatest place to do, like have a show, and I, I'm still trying to get a show, my naughty show back in there but it's like you're up against everything oh yeah yeah i did a show there on the fourth of july two years ago and i was like man there's gonna be so many people there it's gonna be awesome and then you see what else is going on (laughs) that weekend you're up i mean one time i did a show at the planet hollywood casino which is this gorgeous casino just in the casino Justin Timberlake was in one room, a, a magician in another room. There was like some huge celebrity charity event in another room, and then me. That was one casino. Yeah, the most successful independent comedy show that I've seen outside of the you know the standard ones were like Beecher's Mouthouse. That was yeah. the only thing that really like came from nothing. Used a lot of comics that we mm-hmm. knew. Everything else was like, yeah, you get booked at the River, get booked at the Harrah's, but everything else was like, you're a, either a headliner comedian, you're Carrot Top, you're in Cirque du Soleil, or you're the amazing Jonathan or whatever his right. name is. Right? Well, by the way, uh, uh, comedian Bobby Miyamoto was supposed to be here today, but he got called away this morning to do a gig, so Aww. you'll have to uh, wait to hear his tragic road stories about fucking flying in a private jet to open for Spade at the MGM Grand. Is that how he does it? Yeah, that's where he went out to tonight. Yeah, that's a great gig. <laughs> that is a great the gig. Great, the closest thing I have to that is uh, working with Joe Rogan, Yeah, which is like, it's not work. Right. It's like the best time ever because <laughs> yeah. all you do is go up there, you get fly only the best flights, and you get put up in the best hotels. And I got to do 20 minutes to people who know me from his podcast and from yeah. Death Squad. Mm-hmm. You just murder for 20 minutes. And then you bring them out there and like, you know, I've known Rogan for a long time. And he's always been this really cool guy to me. And uh, But to watch like the change in his crowd from his podcast mm-hmm. is just nuts. What do you mean? It's like now they're coming to him. Like, uh, you know, it's like people might know you from like uh, the sitcom or anything like that, but they don't really know your voice. But when they know you from your podcast and they know how your, you know, your voice inflections and, you know, your point of view and all that stuff, it's a whole different ball game. You, You know, you don't have to really apologize for anything or ease into it because they know exactly who you are and there's nothing better than a podcast crowd yeah really i just did the uh, la pod festival so did i i didn't get a chance to see your show but yeah it's fun right it was great it was a blast and it was like so much better than you thought it would be for a first time festival yeah it was ran really smooth real fun and i did stand up with them and you know it was really great and i had to follow mark Marin. i'm like fuck man i gotta follow mark Marin at a, a podcast <laughs> yeah he's got the biggest podcast of all time <laughs> and he went up there he did what and i went up there and slayed man and it's so great because they're they're podcast listeners they're used to just listening yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. They don't talk back. They're like, they can't believe they can actually see you this time. And it was so. And then Greg Fitzsimmons went up and murdered. And it was like, I heard, I heard that whole stand up show. I was, I missed it on Saturday. I had to come in on Sunday, so I missed everything on Saturday. But I heard that stand up show was just top to bottom, fucking kill, top yeah. to bottom. Like nobody fumbled, nobody, nothing. It was just top They're to bottom. Very, and it was like something like two and a half hours, something crazy yeah. long like that. Well, they did Doug Benson did his Doug Loves Movies podcast before that. And okay. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody did great. Dave Anthony was funny as hell, dude. That guy's fast. And uh, so they, Mark Marin, Zach Galifianakis was up there, and he's really cool. Uh, he's doing. He's in my favorite book. They're doing a movie, uh, Confederacy of Dunces. Have oh, you ever read that no, book? No, it's literally that? sitting on my desk. It's as soon as I finish Keith Richards, I'm reading. Have it. you ever read it? It's, no, I've never it's read it. It's laugh out loud. Really? Funny. Oh, I'm stoked. Here, the lead singer. You have to do his voice in a Stewie from Family Guy, yeah. and it's even funnier. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so they had this great lineup, and and everybody killed, and it was like boom, 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 and you're like, oh man, I gotta follow this, and then you just went up there right out the gate, crush fest. What was the venue like? A theater or what? Yeah, it was a, it was like a Santa Monica High School. Have you seen these schools out here? I feel like I'm just talking the whole time, but <laughs> right. it's like a they're, they're like they're bigger than my town hall than yeah. I grew up in. Like, there's the Santa Monica High School right around the corner from me. is like five blocks long. Yeah, they're it's got huge. like 3,500 students. In yeah, there yeah, and night school. Yeah, but so back to the Rogan thing. It's just like his crowd knows him so well. Uh, you know, I don't want to super exaggerate, but I, I got the gig with him in Montreal, uh, Toronto, uh-huh. before a, uh, a UFC fight, and like watching him kill with the material that he was doing, I, I'm like, that's what it had to be to watch Sam Kennison way back yeah. in the day. It really? was like such edgy, really well written, sh- and the place is just going nuts. He took a, uh, a video of Ari Shafir mm-hmm. walking out. And the, he, it sounded like it was like we introduced Coldplay. That's how crazy the crowd was going. <laughs> I, I, I know uh, I work the Ice House a lot when I'm in town. And, and on stage two, Rogan does a shitload of stuff there. I love that stage. Yeah, it's great. But I, I've yet to poke my head in and see what he's doing these days. Freddie Lockhart has invited me on to do it and stuff, but it just hasn't worked out. But I've, I've yet to really poke my head in and see what he's doing. But man, that line's around. Like, I'll go into the main, like, get on, you know, do the main room. Yeah. Like, fucking, yeah, look at this crowd. It's going to be great. They're all going into stage two to see Rogan, man. That sucks. I don't go out enough to, to other clubs and I'm at the comedy store, whatever, three days a week. And then I'm like, whatever, doing other stuff. And ever since Rogan quit the comedy store, I just don't see him in LA. Uh, he he does the he does the comedy juice a lot and he does the ice house a lot. I've been trying to uh, you know kind of get some variety in my stage time. I'm yeah. not I'm doing flappers more. Right. Oh yeah, that's a fun club too. Yeah, I uh, I did their uh, uh, Yahoo one out in, no one out in uh, Claremont and uh, they said oh. it was too dirty. Oh yeah, and I'm like me I. Get hired because I'm kind of clean. Yeah. Like, like if you think I'm too dirty, well, tell why me. is it elderly people? I guess it's all Mormons out there. Yeah, actually, uh, San Bernardino even... and a lot of that was settled by Mormons historically. But Claremont College has that. Check out Wikipedia Cater over it's here, true. man. It's true. Mormons. What is what, uh, dude? Did you see? We were talking about. I wanted you to go with me to the Book of Mormon, but you had yeah. to. Uh, what a funny play, man! I saw that in New York. It's great. It's, it's great. Lives up to everything. Did you get to see it? You know, I'm the only one in my family who hasn't seen it. But you know, I was raised Mormon. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's such a—it's uh, so for when it comes to um, like art, it's so inspiring 
to see something that's so entertaining yet yeah. like has a message has a yeah. message and it doesn't bat it's not bagging on the mormon oh it, at the, the end it kind of turns it at the yeah, end yeah, it's yeah. like come on this is just well the funny thing i've been talking about like muslims and mormons for years and then well obviously 911 kind of changed all that whole side when of the it, fucking but, mormons bombed our towers yeah but then the, God, when goodness. the mormons did 911 <laughs> um are the are there special underwear so thick you could hide a bottom in them that if you went through security? You know they're so thin, but they could stop bullets, bro. <laughs> <laughs> where are you? Where are you from? Are you from Utah? My my parents are from Utah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, my dad's my grand my grandfather when he immigrated. Uh, you know when you immigrate to Ellis Island back in 1912, like. You, they give you like uh, you just get a job doing whatever. Yeah, and they just he's a peddler. That was my grandfather. He's a peddler. What's he peddling? I don't know. He's just peddling. He's peddling. <laughs> Sounds like drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. It was like newspaper, vacuum cleaner, whatever new thing came out that you could go door to door and you didn't have to speak English to do. And like he somehow peddles himself out with a job to Utah. I think he was headed to the West Coast. Uh-huh. He ends up stuck in Utah. World War One breaks out. They draft him. <laughs> so he goes and fights for America, comes back. You have to report back to your draft office in Utah. And they go, we'll either give you some money or you can have this farm in Provo. So he takes the farm, gets you know, goes to the old country, gets my grandmother, brings her back, and everybody was born and raised Muslim immigrant style in the forties and fifties in Utah. Wow! So that's how they ended up in Utah. But uh, then, my, then all of them married Mormons. And you know, Utah used to be part of Mexico. Like, it, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. All the West was. We're, yeah, I yeah. know, but that's crazy <laughs> to think like how far up you yeah. Mexico went. Right. And, and, let's that, be, and let's be honest, still does. Yeah, yeah. Right. well, it's about been to. to Minneapolis. <laughs> it's about to for sure. I had no idea you were raised Mormon. What's yeah. that? I did that gig in Provo. What was that? That really uh, shitty casino Bruvies? in Provo. No, no, it was in Pahrump. Oh, in Pahrump. Never mind. It I was in Pahrump. You know what's so funny about that story is like your grandpa was a peddler. That was a job, and there mm. was some honor with that. That's the problem with kids today, or just anyone. You just can't have a job. Everything's got to be cool, right? Everything's yeah, yeah. got. I'm a DJ, right? I'm a blogger. You can't just like you. If you went, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm a peddler. I'm a You'd be like, oh really? Hustler. That's all you do? You pedal? <laughs> yeah. And was, you know, sometimes when you get into something, after a while, you realize it's not what you thought it was yeah. going to be, and it never you just is, yeah. It's not what you want to do anymore. Yeah, that's why I took a break for a while until I really just kind of got away from it and was writing a bunch of jokes for comics getting their own that's TV shows. That's what it shows. takes sometimes. You got to step away, Yeah, get a fresh look at it, and then approach it differently. You did that. I'm sure you, you kind of went through that after that Montreal experience early on in the 2000s, and then you kind of well, took I a always step back, d- and then you re-came in and... I've always just I've just had this theory that like if I don't do the comedy I want to do then it's I might as well it's just having a day job if right. you're going up there doing what you don't enjoy doing right. I've always enjoyed adult comedy like mm-hmm. edgy I, I you know I like to talk about things that people talk about when they're just hanging out and this mm-hmm. whole notion that now I'm in public I have to change it up just because you can't handle it it's just like I, I I'd rather not and yeah it's yeah. cost me probably hundreds of thousands of dollars Maybe. over the time but at the end of the day it's like you know you know when I see what happened in like New Jersey New York with this hurricane and just how people's lives have just been completely wrecked and they they plan this whole life out and you know my heart goes out to them I just think you know at the end of the day I've had a fun you know I've I've done everything I want to do mm-hmm. at the end of the day you know you don't know what whatever you've worked at is just gonna be taken from you yeah. right so why not just go out there and do what you want to do and what makes you happy? 
I wouldn't say you've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'd say you... you Millions? You, yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe hundreds of dollars. No, you've always been consistently who you are, and you couldn't fake it. You never were a guy who would be like, yeah, I'll go do with a clean suit and tie. Right. You know what I mean? You couldn't... You wouldn't get booked at those... So it's not like you sacrificed... I That's re- my whole theory. I remember your first... I think it was Premium Blend with D.L. Kugley. Yeah. Came out afterwards like... Whoa, that's some fucked up shit. <laughs> you know, like I got a standing game. O on Comedy Central, and they haven't booked me since. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I just, like, it's so weird. I got a standing O. Like the producer came out and thanked me. I just haven't been asked back. Yeah, that's so weird. But now it's so different, man. Now it's like there's so many venues in which like podcasting mm-hmm. and like you now you see all these guys who are just shooting specials and putting them on Netflix. What a be- that's an awesome right. way to go. Right. That is. That but is. I got to be honest with you. I've seen a couple of them, and they just because great. you can do something doesn't mean you should. Oh. What you know? Well, I'll right. give you that. There's some of these guys going out there like I'm going to put out a special every year. He's like, you're not that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because you have an hour yeah. doesn't mean it's special. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You know, because if you like, like Louis, who set the thing, he, you know, he, he works he yeah. hits the road hard you know you can't just right. come up with an hour in a year unless you're out well it's not a new idea weeks a yeah. year you know yeah that's true he's out there every night so he'll have a new hour but louis one of the guys who is special but this isn't the first time people did that like um just because you said louis i was thinking of louis um anderson mm-hmm. he produced his own special and put it on pbs in minneapolis in like 19 you know 81 or whatever and it made him huge and he self-produced it. It's always gone on. It's just that now there's a gazillion ways to see something. You know, back then there was really just the four networks, the PBS, local TV. Now it's Netflix and on demand and podcast and, yeah. you know, iTunes. Well, it's, you find a way. Yeah. How did uh, the Axis of Evil Comedy Tour, is that right? Mm-hmm. That's a great story. How did that happen? How did that come about? Mitzi. Saw us Mitzi all. Shore, the yeah. owner at the comedy, the comedy, comedy store. She saw Sam. Well, no, no she saw I was brought in a little bit later. It's really a great story. Wait, did this start off as Arabian Nights? Yes. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Okay, I didn't know that because Arabian Nights was around. Then I split. Right. Then a few years later, I'm like, is that Cater? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, where's Tripoli? Oh, yeah. got, I'm like the fifth Beatle. I got booted. Oh, yeah. Stu Stutcliffe over here. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He is, and he was, and he still is. Um, but uh, you know what? It was. They know you're not an Arab, right? Well, it's a, that's a funny-ass story. Oh. I'm half Armenian. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, like, to get into the comedy store, you, you know, when you're a young guy, you pretty much do anything. Yeah, yeah. Duncan and Moz call me up. They're like, listen, Mitzi's putting together a Middle Eastern show. I'm like, okay. They're like, you're half Armenian, right? I'm like, yeah. It's like, good enough. <laughs> so Duncan- Do you remember those? Yeah. Do you remember those first days? It was like, she knew- Ahmed was producing a show with Jay Davis in the main room. I can't remember what the name of it was. Well, yeah. It was It, it was, was their it was Dublin show. show. Yeah. It was basically a, a Dublin's, ba- that thing. And so she she goes, oh- So this I'm, is Ahmed Ahmed, Ahmed and Jay Ahmed. Davis. And she goes, oh, Ahmed's Egyptian. And then she already had Maz mm-hmm. and she realized he was Middle Eastern. So then she wanted more. So then Sam and I get into the club pretty, pretty much on that premise that she was looking for to fill like more of those voices. She goes, are you Syrian? I'm like, yeah. I, I, like, I, I, I did not care whatever <laughs> yeah, it took to whatever get in took. at that point. <laughs> that, me too. I was just like, yeah, I'll work the door. I'll do whatever. And I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even know what Syrian was at that point. She said Assyrian or Syrian? Syrian. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Just right. get me in. And then we do the first Middle Eastern show and it's like us and like Sergio Love and Brett Ernst and like whoever kind of could pass as maybe Mediterranean, you know, it was like we were scraping the bottom. There was nobody. There was literally no Middle Eastern comedians well, she was at the, the time. F- first, you know, she kind of tried to create a um, 
uh, a Mill Eastern show that was a lot like, uh, you know, Def Jam shows and that like, right. or Fat Tuesday where it was like every, every Tuesday there would be in this ethnic show yeah. that people could always come to. And at, at the time there just wasn't enough comedians to sustain That's that right. show That's right. because people come every week and it's the same comedians. It was the same guys. And, and like she... You and know, me just doing <laughs> filthy dick jokes <laughs> to Middle Easterns. That's actually why Sam kind of became the fifth Beatle because once it kind of took off and we realized our crowd was this like pretty much conservative Muslim uh-huh. Middle Eastern crowd that that wanted to bring it wanted to be family friendly so they could do it with their kids. We were like, Sam, you got to be clean. And then we would do La Jolla. We would do other gigs. And People then- complain to the managers. Why is he in our show? I remember <laughs> yeah. one guy complained <laughs> about that. We don't understand why this guy I, he, is so upset and <sighs> he yelling about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd be like, we were like, Sam, you got it. And it was like trying to tell Sam, like a comedian or an artist trying to tell another artist what they can and can't no, do. I didn't knew feel it was, right. The right. T- clock was ticking. I knew yeah, it was yeah. going to last forever. But at that point, you just wanted to work, you know? And we were yeah. go- And I'm telling you, man, I've done some fun gigs in my life, but some of the Axis Vivo gigs were the best times ever. Uh, there's this gig we did in Arizona in uh, Phoenix was the oh, Theater the of the Round. And, no, you were there, the Theater of the Round. No, that's the one I didn't go to, Phoenix. Really? Yeah. I was, I a- I'm telling you, I've never had a, a better time really? in my life. It was because like Maz started just really the blow up and he was, uh, he became like, I called him pelvis, Persian Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> so he would show up to town and like the whole Persian community would come out and it was like a, an event. Yeah. And you know, these two Persian dudes show up in like phantom Bentleys and they're like, please let us drive you around. And we're like, what? They're like, let us drive you around. So, I mean, dude, we would go to these gigs. We would crush it. We'd drive around in town in Phantom Bentleys at night. <laughs> it was me and Ahmed were the only, like, single ones. So right. we would just have chicks on chicks. It was the best time ever. And, you know, and, like, I know a lot of Persians are Muslims, and that's kind of, like, when this whole rhetoric about, you know, Christians versus Muslims would really start. I'm like, I've met so many cool Muslims out there that yeah. I can't really get behind yeah. that. And they party, man. It, yeah. would, it, would, it would always be the best time well, that ever. Was, that was always the difference. It was like we would promote to Arabs. Maz would promote, promote to Persians. And the Persians are way more fun mm-hmm. and they're more liberal because they all came to this country getting out of a Muslim country that yeah. had a revolution that became an Islamic, the, the, what do they call Iran, the Islamic Republic. And, you know, they didn't want to be a part of that, so they come to America. So they're basically liberal, cool. And the Arabs were different. They held on to their religion a bit more. They still didn't drink and yada, yada. So, like, yeah, Maz's group, thank God, would show up because it made it more fun. <laughs> but then Maz basically took that crowd and, and, and took it for himself. He was the only Persian. Yeah. You know, we couldn't take his crowd. He's he's the Persian. That's his crowd, you know? Yeah. So, it, it was so who crazy. was it? It was Ma, who I see a lot. Maz Jobrani. He's great. Basically, it was Maz Ahmed and me. Ahmed Ahmed. It was just the three of us. We formed a company and an LLC and okay. started doing the acts. And we had to change to Axis of Evil because mm-hmm. Arabian Nights was Mitzi's name. Mm-hmm. She originally was the one that put us together. And as she worked us out for the the four years about, it was about 04, 05 when we said we got to change the name and, and do a tour. Um but she was really responsible for it. And that was before 9-11. So, like, we were doing this stuff with Tripoli and everything. And then after 9-11, it became no, 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 this no, no, deal. No, 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 She forms the, the group, like, two years before 9-11. Right. 9-11 happens. Then after a couple of years, the group kind of has this kind of relevance that, you know, you're this voice 
of not even uh, two years. It was months after 9-11 yeah. when Newsweek came and did that little piece I remember doing a, a gig in San Diego with uh, Maz and Ahmed Ahmed, and we were, we were doing stand-up, and uh, it was so much. I mean, the crowd was just weirded out, and I remember bringing a pumpkin on stage, and I just start humping the pumpkin, and it was like <laughs> a really fun gig. And uh, It's a good time. So on the, on the ride, they're, I'm like, I need to ride back. They're like, dude. I don't know if you want to ride with us because like tensions were really high. And yeah. you know, when you go from San Diego to LA, there's that like weird kind of like border patrol, fruit patrol, you know, where you like <laughs> where you don't want to, they have these weird things. So they're like, listen, we're going to go through this kind of checkpoint. I don't know if you want to be with us. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to be with you, dude. That's like 20 minutes of material <laughs> yeah, right there right. if we get pulled over. So we, that's yeah. kind of how it was at the beginning. We used to go to San Diego a lot. Mitzi would send us down there to work out. Cause if you, yeah, because if you can work out a San Diego white, basically conservative Navy, military, Marines, you know what I mean? If you can get them laughing, then... It, that's the closest thing to like a, a road gig in Southern Cal. You know, like you go down there, you get kind of a good cross section of the of the country. We went to Tijuana once with Ahmed and, and Ma, we all went down there. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> and like those guys got stopped at the you know on the check on the way back in. Like they were that that whole border was totally different than it used to be. You know, after 9-11, but it wasn't long after 9-11 when the media started going, Arab comedians, Middle Eastern comedians. Yeah, and you guys the... were everywhere. Yeah, we were everywhere, and, and it was like, we thought we were just going to And then quit. I'm just drinking at a bar. <laughs> yeah, it was like, where's Two Sam? American, whatever! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's America's fault, huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's awesome. But you had some success with, uh, you've had a lot of success, actually, So, uh, but with your Naughty Show in Vegas, right? Yeah, I've been very blessed that the Naughty Show just keeps getting better and better. And it was kind of funny because, like, Maz pulled me aside when I first started doing it, and he's like, you know, it's like, it's going to get really hard at some points, but, you know, it's like kind of like the X-Seville where you just keep working, it will eventually grow. And it has grown to that. It's taken a little longer than I wanted to uh -huh. in, a, in a couple aspects, but, you know, it's like, I did this vivid video comedy tour and I remember going up and crushing so hard and I'm like, this is my crowd. It's yeah. like how, and the whole thing is like, how do you find your crowd for right. what you do? How do you find that crowd? And I always thought if I was back East, I would be much bigger mm -hmm. because they just have a different sense of humor out here. They're way more politically correct, you know, and this is before like cable and like things have gotten much dirtier well, now. Getting but porn stars to laugh is not easy. No, actually, they're really laid back people. No, they're laid back and they're open, but they're not. You know what I mean? They're 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 either like high or dopey or like <laughs> retarded. No, there you know is some. Oh, great! I just I lost all my asked, fucking porn star listeners now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> lost. There goes. Uh, Didn't you see market. David Tell at the porn awards where he was just like struggling? It was like nobody's paying attention. They're all over the place. Yeah, I just got asked to write all the videos for the AVN awards this year, so I'm going to be doing all their comedy That's shorts. Great. And uh, they were just telling me it's like this is going to be the hardest. Because I'm not hosting, but it's like, this is the hardest gig to do. And I go, yeah, because everyone's blown out on Coke. Right, right, right. right. That's what I'm God, damn. You know, and they're looking around. Yeah, and they're not paying attention. for. I will say, though, his dirty show is hilarious. I've seen it since the beginning. And like, I think it was a couple of years ago where I went to a show, and it, all of a sudden, the light bulb in my head went off. And I was like, Sam found it, man. He found <laughs> it. He got hold of something here. You know, he's got these girls who come in, and they write those funny fan letters. And the crowds are just like packed. And it was like... You're dressed up to the nines, and it was just like it's a fantastic show. Yeah. And I was like, this is a show that should be in Vegas, or should be on TV, or should be on well, like you know. Goal is to have both very soon, so that's what we're working on. And it just it just gets better. 
better and better. And then it goes to like, maybe I'll just do Netflix. Just, yeah. you know, shoot it all myself. You should. Because I have so much content. Right. But it goes back to just creating yourself, creating your own uh, market. I always feel like as a stand-up comic or just an entertainer, like when you're young, you get kind of thrown into a million different projects and you hope one of them hits. But then you kind of get to a certain place at a certain age where now you have to create your opportunities right. yeah. that you have to put yourself in these situations. So everyone's like, that's great for you. Right. Let's make that. Yeah. It's harder to plug you into all these other things. Cause even if I sent you on this audition, you're up against this guy who's been booking shit for a thousand years. Right. They're like, Oh, this guy's got 90 credits doing this thing we need him to do. Right. Oh, this guy's really funny, but he hasn't booked like crazy dad guy a thousand times. Right. So now it's like, now I have to create what I, what I want to do. That's actually where we're at. I mean, we're close to the same age. We started, you started a little before me, but we basically came to the comedy store at the same time. We've come up over the last 12 years around the same time. And we're all in that place where it's like whatever success you get, it ends up coming to a point. I mean, unless you're, you know, I guess Maz does a thing, Madrigal does great. Like, unless you're one of these guys who, who's just doing great, you were in that place where you gotta, you gotta find your niche, create it, exploit it, you know, and, and make those Well, moves. even like, I mean, those two guys, to a point, have created a niche as well. It's just no, that have, niche yeah. is, has a lot more opportunities in it. You <laughs> right, know, it's right. like I always believe that, ma you know, Magical's just going to be this guy who just is always there. You know, he's just really funny, and there's a market for that, that this new kind of generation of Latinos are going to come up, and right. now I hear jokes about, like, you know, uh, Mexican dogs are different than other dogs. You know, <laughs> right. they want to hear, like, some really funny yeah. shit. And he's a good guy, too. No, he's a good guy, and he writes a ton, and he's always funny. Like, I've never seen him not be funny. He's always funny, and nobody else talks like him. He has that rhythm and that kind of speed like steamroller, he just like steamrolls himself, and every every breath is like he fits so many funny words in a one breath. And Him and uh, John Caparello do the same thing where they have this cadence, yeah, cadence. and it's the consistent cadence yeah. throughout the whole set because they so it's almost like they're cult leaders and they put you in this kind of like trance, and that's kind of what comedy is like you yeah. put somebody in a trance. That, I mean, I'm so he jerky does. sometimes. Yeah. Sebastian does out. that too. Sebastian yes. gets everybody oh, in, yeah. this, in this trance. It's funny though. Usually, with, if you've got a strong hook or cadence, I can handle it for about 12 minutes and then I'm done with it. But Cat, like Caparulo, man, mm -hmm. that guy's just. I can, yeah. watch, I can watch that guy for an hour. Yeah. yeah. I have watched that guy for an hour. That guy's funny. What's up with giraffes? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> He's funny. You know, I, it's very hard for me to watch hours at all. Yeah. And it's mostly because I've just seen all the tricks. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, you know whose hour is, it's the first time I've been able to sit through an entire hour was uh, Nick Swartzen's last special. Really? Yeah. It was good? Oh, it's so funny, man. Because yeah, it's such like, it's like, you don't, you don't want to say simple in the fact that it's like lowbrow, but it's such simple ideas that delivered so smart. You know, yeah. and it's like it was fun to watch. And I'm not gonna say the comedian who went on after him, but that special couldn't follow that special. You watch five minutes of that, so you're like, I gotta move on. But Swartzen just super crushed. That guy's kind of like Pablo Francisco, who just came out of the womb with a Type 45. You yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's funny. I sent my uh, some friends. I'm speaking of Mormons came down uh, into town. I, I play poker with that guy who's Mormon, and his relatives are in town. They're like, Hey, you gonna be at the Improv tonight? I'm like, No, but. I can get you tickets if you want to go. Like, mm -hmm. sure. And it was Francisco working out his last special. And he walked him, man, because he was so filthy. 
For the oh. Mormons. Oh, the Mormons. For your people. Gator. They play poker, but they can't take a few <laughs> jokes, huh? <laughs> That's what I said. I'm like, what? You're drinking beers yeah, here with me gamble playing poker. No, there, drink, is that, there is that weird kind of uh, area. It's like I won't you're, either, you're on this there. line, either you're on one side yeah, or the yeah. other. Yeah. But these young kids coming up, they've grown up on like South Park. Yeah, yeah and porn. And it's, and just, oh, it's just a totally different thing. It's like I'm blessed that I'm at that place where I can still tap into that group. Right. Because that's what I've been doing for 20 years. Like when I started comedy, everybody wanted to be Seinfeld. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not that guy. I'm a filthy savage. <laughs> that's what I do. And I've, oh, and I, you know, I got all the gigs where that was cool and I got shut down from all the gigs where they didn't want anything to do with that. But now it's kind of like more open. It's, and you just got to work smart at it. You don't just want like blah, blah, blah. Right. You kind of want a smarter version of it. Yeah. Sam always has written the most like, um, uh, uh, like creative, dirty material that, that you'll see. I've said that a hundred times. You yeah. and Galern, Jason Galern, <laughs> yeah, Galern are too. like, I'm, I watch you guys and I go, Right, yeah, I don't do this, but this is fucking funny. This and thank you. Really and I'm biased funny. towards that's like uh, David Tell. I've always said like people like dick jokes are stupid. I'm like, show me someone who's smarter than David Tell. Right. The right. jokes are so funny. Like when he did the jokes about women shaving. Ladies, you shave. It's pilot season, huh? <laughs> Guys, you ever get the latest shaves? I never get the latest shaves. No, I get the woman whose beaver looks like she's been. It's been up all night trying to save a murder. Right. <laughs> trying to solve a murder. I totally butchered that joke. <laughs> you know how you get to that place where you're like. Oh, that's too hacky, and you won't do that. And then, then you get out of that, and you're like, "No, fuck it. Just do every fucking joke that comes to your mind, and yeah. don't judge it." And like, you have to kind of get over that because you do. You've seen to- tons of great comedians do kind of hacky-ish jokes, but it comes to you, and sometimes it's easy. Like, uh, whatever General Petraeus, you know, stuff comes out with it. It's like, oh, so you can keep CIA secrets, but you can't keep a secret from your wife. And then he really fell on his sword. And it's like all these things start writing themselves for you. And it's all over Twitter and everything. But it's like, don't hold back, man. Just like, yeah. did you see Colin Quinn tweeting about like Colorado pot? And they were all like the lamest, goofiest, stupidest jokes. And he finally tweets, if you don't like my drug jokes, then uh, don't follow my tweet. I like to push the envelope. I'm edgy. <laughs> and like his jokes were so not edgy. And he was like being ironic to write like goofy, hacky jokes. It's like, you just can't be afraid. Like when you start, you're not afraid. Right. Then you start to go... I have to write a joke that fits into my existing act. Overthink know? it is going to kill overthink it. Overthink it. Yeah. And then you got to get back to being like, just try whatever. Like, you know, just try stuff. Yeah. I think you should always just mm-hmm. go. The, the problem is when you're, you're in comedy too long is you've seen every joke. Right. So you have to have to force yourself to accept that everything's been done. It's what is your take on it? Yeah. Another thing that's kind of a little harder as you get older in comedy is like when a new generation comes through. Mm -hmm. And I kind of get, I I get really mad at like a lot of the older comics who like gave like young comics when I was young so much shit for doing jokes. Cause as you get older, you just realize that these jokes are new to these kids. Right. Like, yeah. like I saw this kid doing like 10 minutes on getting high and going to Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. And at first I'm like, I've heard that a thousand times. And then I realized the kid's 22 and that <laughs> right. is like brand new to him. Yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> thought he was, he was at home writing that. And he's just <laughs> writing about his life, yeah. you know? And you're like, okay, that's new. That And then I'm like, why did all these old guys just bust everybody's balls forever when they just realize it's new to you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you, because when I took that break, and I've talked about this several times on the show, when I took that break for four years and came back, I was a different person. I was, I lived a pretty yeah. heavy four years. I'd gotten married. I'd been in and out of TV and lawsuits mm-hmm. and shit. And when I came <laughs> back, I was like, 
I can't do this getting high material. This right. nobody's buying this coming right. out of my face, and I'm yeah. not selling it. You know, right. and it was because I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just do my old 15. I'll start off with that and build off that. And I right. was like, nope, everything's got to go. Scratch. Man. So you yeah. started from scratch after a four year. Yeah. See, that's where I feel like I'm at. I feel like I'm in this weird hiatus place where I'm like, I'm, I don't want to do stand up anymore. Like I don't want to go on a gig. The last thing I need is an itinerary in my pocket. Have you ever flight. taken a break? Right now. This I is think my it's, break. I think it's good. Yeah. And I'm getting married, you know, in December and the whole, my whole life's changing. And I feel like the last like year or two has been sort of me trying to figure out like where I'm at right now. And uh, so that's why it's encouraging to see guys who are in their 20th, 25th year finally like really breaking out, you know, because it does, it is, it's a, it's a lifelong pursuit. It's not something that, and that I remember when I started the comic store, I got lots of encouragement. Tons of older guys would come up. But I remember the funniest one was, do you remember seeing a picture at the comedy store of a guy named Flip Schultz? No, not Flip Schultz. I know Flip. No, um, Lenny Schultz. I do. And he had, had wacky hair and yeah, he had yeah. puppets or whatever. It was like a 70s guy, right? And he kind of disappeared, but he was like the Letterman age, like Altman, you know, those guys. So I'm working the door. You, pro- you probably were working the door too. I'm at the back door of the main room and this guy comes in. He goes, hey, kid, how you doing? Hey, I'm Lenny Schultz. I haven't been here in years. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen your picture. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, kid, what do you do? And I go, oh, I do, I do a lot of like political jokes. I talk politics. You know, I'm, I'm Arab and Mormon. And I do. And he goes, what? No, 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 kid. No, no. You got to make funny faces. See, like this and like that. And he starts doing his shit. <laughs> That's hilarious. Shit. And I was like, get the hell out of here, man. This different time. Yeah, that was a different, different time, time oh, for yeah. a- uh, entertainment. And you see that like when a lot of the older comedians, when we were young coming in, they would come up on stage and there was this fourth wall that they never made a connection with the crowd. Like, I- I'm not going to say the comic thing, but I used to watch him go up there and he... It whether it was a packed room or an empty room he did the exact same set and i just always found that like that's not how it should be your 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 act should be alive right and be in the moment i think i think restaurant i think audiences can sense that man i think they can sense when you're going up there and you're just especially if you're bombing if you're bombing and you don't go yeah, I know I'm bombing. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. crowd <laughs> will just get quiet on you. They want to hear you admit yeah. that you know it's not going well. Well, and that's the one thing about road. Like speaking of dirty material, I'm biased towards Brian Etheridge, right? BK Etheridge, one of the funniest Brian dudes out there, one of the edgiest, funniest, smartest guys. But and he knows him, and I've talked about this. He hasn't done the road. He hasn't gone and bombed at a horrible college in Kansas City, right? right. He hasn't gone and done those gigs where you have to adjust. Like colleges are the best because when you I hardly unless you're Nick Schwartzen or somebody like you're just going and hoping there's an audience that that knows how to fucking pay attention for five minutes right and they don't know any, they don't have any experience with comedians they've never really seen one in their life and what they tell Ooh. you you can't talk about it's you hilarious not yeah don't don't talk about drugs hold on I can't talk about weed <laughs> yeah. with college kids yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay all don't they talk about hear. drugs or <laughs> sex or be dirty or anything they might like don't talk about that and so I'm like okay yeah I'll just talk about the fucking New York Times business page that's what they want to hear <laughs> yeah. You know, and like then you, I end up tanking because I had a after, especially after nine eleven, it was all politics with me. It was the Bush years. We'll never see a more political decade or eight years no, than was it was under Bush. About that the other day. It was like all I could. I seriously would sit at home and go, I got to write something outside of that yeah. that thing, and I couldn't because every funny joke that came to me was like it was Bush or it was the war or it was the the hypocrisy or it was the transparent fucking corruption going on, and it was like that's all I could think about. Now I wasn't trying to rant or be like the political comic. That's what 
It's just what came to me. So I would go to a college, bomb, tank it, end up trying to write dick jokes, which I'm not great at, you know, and, and, and I had some drug jokes. I tried to do some other shit, but that I learned, you know, and then there's guys that learn. Uh, there's guys who don't learn it. They don't get an opportunity to go out there and bomb and struggle and do the horrible triple gigs and yeah. see. And you well, said this kind of went like, long. A lo- he kind of went down the line of becoming a writer. Well, Etheridge is like a really successful writer. He's run shows. He always works. He's always on a network show. And he doesn't have time. And who would want to take a break from a $10,000 a week job to go yeah. do a $1,500 you know, college gig where you got to fly and rent a car? Yeah, I do. Uh, I get I get comics out on the road going, why are you out here? You write full time. Right. Yeah. I right. fucking love it, man. Yeah. <laughs> because you I probably, love it. You want a little of both. Right. Yeah, but yeah. Brian, exactly. Brian just went to Montreal this past year and did the dirty show and crushed it. Like, he can get up on his feet anytime if the audience is set, but he never had to do those shit gigs. Right. And I think that the only benefit of doing those shit gigs is you start really, and you and I have talked about it, it's like different shows for different crowds. You know what yep. I mean? You have to read the crowd, and when you do shit gigs a lot, it gives you the ability to like think on your feet and read the crowd within 10 seconds. Be like, oh, okay, I get what you get. All right, I got I have, it. I, I work in chunks. Mm-hmm. Like I never have an A to Z set. I have chunks of material that I just I work in different areas. And, and it's almost like what, what Paint Manning does. Mm-hmm. I, I read the D yeah. and then I call the play. I, right. I can't go up there. With, I got to start this and end with this. I have to feel them out, see what they want. If I got to go a little cleaner earlier... I'll do that. But it's like I just can't I can't go up there with a monologue. But that comes but when you skip steps in comedy, it comes back and bites you in the ass. It can, yeah. yeah. And Etheridge and I talk about it all the time because he's seriously he's one of the most brilliant writers and performers ever, but he wants all he wants to do is perform. And I'm like, dude, why do you want to perform? Like you're making a you got a kid, you got a great wife, you got a good life, you're making money. He's like, I just want to be on stage and like he, Why is he, that so weird to understand? No, I understand it, and I'm with him. But like, he doesn't have time to go out and hit gigs. You know what I mean? And he wants to, but he can't. Now he's got a baby, and it's just like. But if you put him in the right situation, he can sit on his butt for three months not doing stand up and get up and crush. Yeah. But at what point is he going to actually? Maybe he doesn't have up? to. He, I don't think he actually has to. But if you want to be Louis C.K. and be a special and have a special special, then you kind of do have to be He'll out there. He'll get to that. I, you know, I, I think that. everybody's got a journey. They just take it from different angles. We all try to get to the same place. God willing. I'm kind of in a place where... Do- oh, go on. I was just going to say, there's, I, there's just the, my theory is there's three directions with stand-up, man. You just spend the rest of your life road-dogging it. Which yeah, is I, my biggest fear. Me too. Yeah, a lot, a lot of ours. I see those guys out there. And it's, I'll get a job at At some point, factory. you become... You no longer connect with the crowd. Yeah. Right. The crowd has a different point of view. You know, it's like sometimes you see these comedians from, L, you know, who were big back in the 80s and early right. 90s. They come back to the store and they're doing the same act they did. And you see just a disconnect with the crowd. Yeah. That's why I always write. I'm always writing not for the fa- fact, oh, I got to turn out a new five. But I always want to keep that muscle going, mm-hmm. digesting what I see and talking about what's relevant right yeah. now. Yeah. So does has Axis of Evil run its course? You think or yeah, yeah, yeah. it's totally broken. Yeah, you guys up. will blow something else up. It'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We don't work together anymore. We all do our separate things now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you guys were still I, together. Uh, yeah. I'm at a place in comedy right now. I heard Doug Stanhope talking about about how he's been doing comedy for like 30 years, and he's like. I've written about everything I care about twice. <laughs> I've written about everything I kind of care about. It's like, what is there to talk about? Yeah. Because I'm at an age where like, 
You know, I wish I could get excited about politics still, right, but I right. know the bullshit yeah, of it. Yeah, me too. I'm, I wasn't that interested you know, in this election. It's just, it's yeah. like really interesting. Like the stuff that you're passionate about when you're 20, Yeah. when you're oh, double that, right. it's like, I'm kind of like, I, I know it's all bullshit. So why even talk about That's it? That's actually a great point. Because remember when I was at the Groundlings and I was in the Sunday company and every, it was a 40 hour a week job sure. to get wigs and mustaches and write <laughs> five sketches a week. And every week the show would turn over and I got burnt out and I was trying to do stand up at the same time. And I was like, and they didn't go together. Like sometimes you'd write a stand up bit that you could turn into a sketch, but you never wrote sketches that went no, into your stand up ever. Different. It was a totally different muscle. It was like, show it. Don't, don't say it, do it. And in stand up, it's like, just fucking explain it, man. You know, like, you know, you don't have to act it out. That's hilarious. You know? And like, so it helped me as a person. But at the end, I was so burnt out that I said, I cannot write any more sketches based on experiences that I'm not having. Like, I'm not yeah. living my life. Like, I'm in this vacuum at the Groundlings or at the comedy store, and it's all comedy, and I'm not actually breathing. That's so, what I'm going through right now. Yeah, so, like, if you're not, if you find, like, what am I interested in? It's like, that means you have to, like you just said, like, you got to go and live your life, and then it'll come back. Yep, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Because you know what, man? When you talk about something that no one else has talked about, it's probably not funny. That's why nobody's <laughs> yeah, talked about funny. it. Yeah, that's That's true. You <laughs> that's know, it's like point. you can go so far out there that yeah. no one relates to what the fuck you're talking a about. A good example of that, right? When we started doing Arab material after 9-11, that worked because of 9-11, and everybody was curious about Arabs and Muslims and how they thought, and people knew enough about Muslims to hate them. Yeah. <laughs> But now during Romney, I was trying to talk about Mormons and it was like, it was easier to talk about Muslims after 9-11 than it is to talk about Mormons now because people don't know enough about Mormons to hate them or right. dislike them. They don't have an opinion. They don't care. Mormons are white, boring ass. You yeah, know, they're just, quiet. Uh, they're great quiet. people. Though. They're, the they're girls love nice the people. party though. They do. Yeah, and, they you do. know, and, but there's not enough. And I'm like, I want to find something about Mormons. And I'm like, okay, nobody's done jokes about them because it's not that funny. It's like <laughs> I had to kind of throw in the towel on it. You know, well, how deep did you go into it? You can't go deep because you can't talk about you how go, you get your own planet. You can't well, talk about Robert Smith, Joseph, Joseph Smith. Smith. You can't you talk can't about talk the lead singer, the cure. I'm Robert you, Smith. The <laughs> audience stares at you and goes, what are you talking about? You can't about? talk about the Holy Land is Rochester. I, they don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. See, you guys get it. Yeah, you were I, under I, the I, banner I, of heaven. <laughs> Speaking of a uh, funny thing, like my 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 wife, her, she's from she's kind of younger. So she's got, you know, siblings and big family. Oh. And they got. She's 26. Oh, try not to get that pregnant. Yeah. Try not to. Yeah. Like, try. Yeah. Next year, was she Mexican? <laughs> Next year when you're on here, man, you'll be fucking bringing a kid over. Yeah, exactly. 26. And uh, so they got the little neighbor kid who's like in eighth grade, right? And uh, I go, hey, uh, did you ever watch Star Wars? Like, I was thinking like, did you ever see Star Wars or maybe Jar Jar Binks? Or like, what age are you? We were talking about Star Wars. And I'm like, Omar, did you ever watch Star Wars? And he goes, what? No, bro. It was all about SpongeBob back then. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, fuck. We were so fucking old that when I say Star Wars, they're thinking of the last trilogy and yeah. they didn't even see it because they're even too young for that. Uh, yeah, well, they'll see it now. The, the mouse just bought Star Wars. Exactly. Uh, it's yeah. going to be everywhere. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Is Lucas really, he's going to donate that $4 billion that he got from Disney? He's not donating. Really? He said that? Yeah, he's yeah. Taking, he's taking all the profits from Star Wars he sold to Disney. He's donating it. Yeah, but what's he donating? Because I remember I got really pissed off because he donated $250 million to the USC Film School. If you got $250 million, don't give it to the fucking best film school. Give it yeah. to people who really need it. He right. pissed me. I don't know where he's, but I read he's giving it to something and I don't well, know. Well, he must still own a stake in it then. He sold it. 
The whole thing. Star Wars. And he's giving away all the money. Yeah. Because he, he's worth over $3 billion. You know how much that money is? Yeah, four, that dude so. is fucking... Plus, he's still got I, stacks Industrial Light like, ILM and, and THX, uh, uh, THX, THX and all that shit. That guy is... Stacks guy, on stacks. Yeah. Stacks don't, on stacks. Don't lose any sleep for that guy. I won't. Rack that, guy's, stacks. that guy's buried. Yeah, don't feel bad for him and Conan and all the other guys that are doing Stacks great. on stacks. How long to Justin Bieber's a Jedi? Nah. <laughs> I think he's going to turn out okay. Who, Bieber? Yeah, Bieber? Everybody thinks he's going to fall apart when in his no, old age. I, I think that he is going to eventually shoot himself in the foot. I think oh, that well, he true. has a... I think that... You could say something stupid, I guess. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen with him. He's going to say some, do yeah, something really... Yeah, but he's a musician. Sh- he can do that and get away with it because people still like his music. Michael Jackson molested kids, okay? He got away. He's fine. Yeah, but Michael Jackson was a different thing, Michael though. Jackson is a genius. Okay. I, 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 Bieber, yeah, Bieber's a, not Jackson. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't see Bieber that... I think it's. I, I mean, I, I hope not. I don't really know the guy. I'm, I, I, and when I, I say molested, I meant he got in his underwear and played hide-and-seek with kids. That's yeah. all I meant. Oh, thanks no, for... No, we're, thanks no, for clearing that up. Yeah, I was thanks, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> I don't know. I can't wait till some of these, you know, because if you think about it, the teen pop star has been around since the fifties. Frankie right. Lyman and the teenagers. He was like fourteen. But you they know? always they would they would always shine and then just crash and burn. Yeah, horribly. yeah. That's what's not happening though. That's the weird part. Because these kids are making for... so much money. Oh, is that it? That yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It's impossible more. for them to. to I'll tell you another thing about Bieber. He's Canadian, and they are a little bit more stable than these crazy Americans. I don't know, man. Those Canadians have a different DNA, man. They're just like, yeah, I'll just do this for the rest of my life. Because like they're Michael just nice people. Yeah, they're yeah. nice. And plus, how many really good musicians have come out of, uh, not that I'm calling Beaver a musician, but Canada. Brian not, Adams. Not a big music. Yeah, you got Rush, Brian Adams. That's you about got it. Rush, you got Celine Dion. You got Neil Young. That's it. That's it. And you got Triumph. Did you put Celine Dion in there? Yeah, you, we're talking about Bieber. Right. Have we draw the yeah, but you put her lines? in the good category. Alanis is she good? Morissette. You got um, Alanis Morissette. Oh, is she Canadian? I didn't know that. She's Canadian. Actually, there's there's a lot more than if you if you Google Canadian. Actually, bare naked ladies. Bare naked ladies. Huge. The Russell Peters of music, man. Mm-hmm. Fucking sell out stadiums mm-hmm. in Canada. Can't get shine down here. That's yep. not true okay. anymore, dude. Russell Peters is doing the Staples. I think he's doing it like. Oh, yeah. is he today really? or tomorrow? Get out of here, really? Yeah, Russell still plays hockey. Yeah, years. I hit him up. I'm like, dude. I mean, I know he plays all those gigs all the time. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, what day is it? I think he plays it. Hold on, let me find. I think he plays it tonight. Wow, yeah. really? Here? Because like, like a couple of years ago, he was at the Improv. Yeah, yeah. Wow, he amazing. still goes to the clubs and he'll he'll work out his material. But I've worked with him a couple of times. I wish he would ask me to go and do one of those freaking arenas man uh, i'd love crazy. to do it russell too. peters one of the biggest comedians working out there for those right. of you who don't know uh i worked with him before in the middle east and stuff and he really is he's hilarious man he gets on stage and it's like effortless and he just like picks on the crowd and he does his thing and the people lose their minds yeah and you can see russell's like eh, just regular you know just making fun he of just Filipinos. Has the elvis effect yeah yeah i yeah. learned very long time i learned a long time ago i don't have the elvis effect <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a good point man because he doesn't go up there like if you see rock when he's up there rock he's turns like it on a like a panther yeah. and peter's man i don't even think the times i saw him never took the mic out of the stand yeah he's just really casual goes up there casual and fucking kills i learned that when i had a tv show on spike for a while and there was a guy on there that. that jason ellis and he just had the Elvis effect, and no matter how much I crushed it on that show, mm-hmm. everyone gravitated to him. And I'm just like, that's just the way it is. He just had that persona. People were like, oh. Right. But the great thing about Russell is he, he celebrated his 20th year in comedy like a year or two ago. And he was in his 10th, 3rd, 11th, 12th year when that YouTube thing came out mm-hmm. and, made, and it made him explode. And he knows that he was sort of like benefited in, in sort of luck and timing in a lot Dude, of ways. Everything is luck. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. everything is luck, but anybody who made it, 
there's a huge part of luck. Right. You can work your ass off. You know, the minimum is working your ass off. The minimum, well, I wouldn't even say the minimum is talent anymore, but, you know, the minimum is working your ass off. Right. Yeah. But talent has so much to do. I mean, uh, luck has so much to do with it. It's just right place, right time. First yep. one to do it. For someone yep. having to be in there, it just it's, mm-hmm. it's the way it is, man. Well, and the Indians are consumers too, and that was the problem with our Arab stuff. Is like they're not the biggest consumers. They mm-hmm. kind of stick to their communities, and it's kind of hard to keep them going. Like now, how many comedians do you know that are like Middle Eastern? They're everywhere now yeah i was just gonna say man especially yeah yeah we do festivals young, for them. young guys yeah young guys and every every year we go to new york and do a festival there's always something going on and it's like there's tons of them and it's like all right we we did a, i guess we like we did it back then and it's yeah, done you and created a cottage in, yeah. industry and it's going but but as far as finding your niche and finding your crowd it's if it's not ethnic like it starts out maybe ethnic with some people but it still has to grow and become you still have to be a comic you can't just right. play to that right because you go see russell obviously it's an indian crowd and they all love him and that's who is is literally that's who's coming to staples and blasting out emails and all talking and everything but then you go see him it's not just ethnic material yeah. and humor that you don't get well he's somehow asians I mean, Indians have, are considered Asians. And I understand right. it's the continent and all that stuff. But, like, he tapped in to the two biggest yeah. ethnic groups <laughs> on the planet. I know. Yeah. I wish I spoke Indians Cantonese. and Asians. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's drawing more from anything. Like, Armenian, there's, like, Glendale yeah. and a little country in the <laughs> exactly. middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I have Palestine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. This was awesome. Man, it's, these are one, one of the episodes I hate to wrap up, man. But uh, times. Um, got the light. You got the light. You got the light. You uh, should turn the light out. Okay, five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, Sam, where can we catch you? We know the Naughty Shows. What is it running every month? Uh, the Naughty Shows Comedy Store once a month. Hopefully, it'll be in Vegas. Uh, after the new year. By the way, uh, you asked me to do it a few times. I just, I just don't. I'm not that dirty, so I said no. But thank That's you. That's all right, dude. We'll work in. I, I like to get you on a man. couple work of my podcasts. In, Definitely. I Definitely. Stop, it. dude. <laughs> Stop. Uh, at Sam Tripoli on uh, Twitter, samtripoli.com. I've really been neglecting my website. I need to get back into it. Okay. They need to make something easier than WordPress. Just something where <laughs> can we make like the Tumblr format into websites? Yeah, right. Just that I, exactly I add this, about. it pops yeah, yeah. up. Yeah. We're done. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a good exactly point. Don't go to my website and my Facebook because I'm not that proud of it. And I've oh, go to your it. MySpace. <laughs> just follow me on Twitter. I just want to get over. Twitter 5, is the future. Twitters. What is it? It's at Aaron Cater. At Aaron Cater with one A. Where Aaron and I hooked up. That's right. Really? That's where we each other ten years. You guys are ex-lovers. We literally haven't seen each other that long, but we found each other on Twitter. So follow me on Twitter at Aaron Cater. A-R-O-N-K-A-D-E-R. And at Sam Tripoli. Yep. And at Sam Tripoli. You guys, thank you so much. When these guys come to your town, go see them. They are very funny. Uh, and as always, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, email me in your comments. At Murray V. And Chicago, I'll be with you guys uh, weekend after Thanksgiving at the Improv. Come out and uh, see me in Orny Adams. Bring All right, you guys. Thanks a lot. Nice. Thanks for doing great it. Show. Great show. Thank man. you so much thank for having me. Thank you so me. much.